Yo, 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 and welcome back to another episode of the Nick and Griff Show. Today is Saturday, August 13th. It is 8.56 a.m. I'm excited to be here with my boy. Okay, let's continue this conversation, Griff. This is episode number 41. Now, this is going to be posted in two, three or so weeks from now. So I don't know. I don't know when exactly you're listening. Of course, maybe you're listening a couple of years from now. Hope everything's going good, guys. <laughs> uh, but Yo, that's, I mean, 41 episodes. That's a lot. No, see what you just said is a good point, though. We had a goal when we started this podcast, and it wasn't even that big. It was really just like, we'd love to just get somebody else orange belt. Like, we'd love to just get another plebe, so to speak, into it. And I think we've successfully done that, to be honest. I think we've definitely gotten some people into it via this podcast, and Honestly, when it comes to Bitcoin, there will be a lot of um, FOMO in a couple years if you're in Bitcoin uh, earlier than everybody else, because you only get Bitcoin at the price you deserve. That's like a definitely like a community wide thing. right? It's, but, it's funny uh, you say that. I was I was getting the episode for to, that we're posting today prepped and uh, you pulled up the, a tweet from somebody that showed like that when the price goes way up. Everybody's like, oh, it's way too expensive. I'm going to wait until it comes back down. Yeah. And, then it, and then it comes back down and they're like, oh, it's failed. Bitcoin's failed. And it's done that however many times in a row, you know? Yeah, it's just interesting how many people have an opinion on something that they quite honestly like don't understand at all. It's, it's a lot of ignorance because yeah. Bitcoin, yeah. like there's a lot of things with it, though, because it's hard coded. It's like, yeah, no, that you. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I hate to be a dick here, but you're just wrong. Like, I'm not saying I'm smarter than you, but I'm saying that I know that you're, I know that you're wrong because I know what I know. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that coupled with the fact that Nick and I are both engaged, um, we were told to stop talking about it so much. So (laughs) podcast and it's been really fun because it keeps me up to date with everything uh, financial as well as, I don't know when it comes to Bitcoin, like I'm definitely into it. Like I definitely know a lot more than even some people who own more than I do, where they just like they own it, obviously, because they like the investment. But I'm really deep into it and I've been stacking pretty hard and I yeah. don't know, I'm very thankful for the podcast. And I'm thankful that we're on number 41. We've plowed through some pretty turbulent times already. So, yeah, man, you know, it will be interesting to go back and look at these and listen to these you know, two, three, four, five years from now when, you know, when we're right now, we're like, man, you know, we're about to jump into this market check. And it's like, man, we're sitting right around, you know, the low to mid twenties or so. Right. And, you know, who knows where in the hell we're going to be at that point. Right. We may go all the way up to $500,000 a coin and then all the way back down to one, you know, and we may be feeling the exact same way that we're feeling now at $100,000 a coin that we're feeling at, you know, mid twenties low 20s Very well you know because you know we see that that sixty nine thousand dollar high go up we fall down to, to where we're at today and and the way that that feels right is probably yeah. going to be exactly the same or very similar to when it goes up to five or six hundred thousand and comes back down to one and again people say oh it's failed it's failed and it's like well not yeah. a hot, long time ago <laughs> no that's such a good point i've been it's been it's been really interesting now that just full disclosure for the podcast. I bought a little bit of Bitcoin when I was at 8,000, bought 
you know, a lot on the way up to 69, including definitely some hits. I don't know if I ever bought at the all-time high, but I definitely bought some Bitcoin where there was a six in front of it. Yep. And then I've bought Bitcoin all the way down. And it's usually because I believe one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. And if you listen to this podcast at all, obviously I build pretty much a Bitcoin maximalist through and through. Other than that, I don't really care to yell at other people for stupid ideas. I just don't, I don't think you should waste your time. I mean, the whole Ethereum thing, um, not just Ethereum, but all these other cryptos, if they were better, everybody will eventually pick them. I mean, the market will decide. Um, and the Bitcoin thing could be wrong. But if you're into this whole Bitcoin thing, the most impressive part about it is that there's no owner. Still, the most impressive part about it to me is that there's really no, it's not a centrally run organization and people are just sending this money to each other. I mean, it's nuts. And <clears throat> it really does blow my mind every single time I look into the blue wall and it says, you know, seven confirmations. It's like, all right, sweet. so like, what are we doing with this old system? Like, why are we still trying to put money into basically a dead horse? Bitcoin is the future. And I don't know. I mean, it's. I, that's such a good point, though, dude. It's like everybody always has these opinions based on the price of it, and they're so price uh, price bias. But the thing about Bitcoin is, and Nick, I don't know for the first podcast to do the whole Big B, Little B thing, but I really enjoy that a lot because Big B, the network, Little B, the money, the network itself is growing, and the yeah. user compat like the user, the easiness to use it. I mean, there's so many Lightning applications now, so many Lightning wallets. I've figured out a couple of different lightning exchanges, not just strike where you can actually use regular Bitcoin wallets and send it there and get it exchanged for very little fees. Obviously some of them are kind of scammy in the sense that they know they're taking higher fees because they know right now that there is like a, they can do it. Yeah. Like there's like a, yeah, there's not that many. So it's kind of like an oligopoly a little bit, but I mean, that's going to yeah. change because a guy like Nick and I could do the same exact thing. We can go get a lightning node right now and start, start processing lightning transactions to the Bitcoin blockchain and boom, done. I don't know how many services of those we actually need. Maybe quite a few, you know, or maybe like Nick and I have discussed on this podcast before, maybe it'll be something where, you know, like all of the commercial real estate developers have their own node so that everybody who has a property with them and runs a business with them, you know, has this transaction fee as well. Maybe it's every store gets their own node. Maybe it's, you know, I don't know what the future there. Could be yeah. Nick, but see, that's we're talking about totally different things right here in the first six minutes than you're going to hear on almost any other podcast because most of the podcasts get a lot of guests where they're going to, you know, talk to the, something specific, but most of it's going to be speculatory because that's what gets views. Nick and I are here mostly talking about the network and, you know, kind of how it works and why we think that's so important. And obviously, right now, Nick, I mean, like. We get some viewers, guys. If you're listening to this, I mean, we appreciate it. Hey, you know, shout so out to the Argentinians. So That's four percent of our viewers, right there. Shout out to those guys out we there. Need go, we need to go. We need to go visit. But <laughs> we're talking. About, well, I think I think what's really cool is we're talking about what matters, and that's what's cool about podcasts. Nick and I aren't in this to get famous. We're just in this to try to spread the word. And I'm up at six forty-five in the morning on a Saturday because it's kind of what I believe in. I think it's going to be a great thing. Um, I don't really care to be right. Do you care to be right? I mean, like, I, I it makes me feel better if the price goes up, I guess, for sure. Because I'm like, because it is money. And I'm like, all right, sweet. Like, I'm not, I'm not 
not fooling myself here. Like this, <laughs> this could be a real thing. Like, or yeah. do you like not really care whether you're right? You know what I'm saying? Like you're, you're putting all into it, but you know, like you recognize what it is. It's a risky situation. For sure. Yeah, no, it is. Uh, it's funny because it is speculative uh, because there's a, there's a lot of things that have to happen that have to be developed in order for this thing to really work. Right. Um, and, and so that I think that's the speculation. Right. Because we know that every single 10 minutes, a block is being added to the Bitcoin blockchain. And that happens without fail. And it's happened since the inception of Bitcoin. And uh, we now know that um, that Bitcoin has well surpassed Visa and MasterCard as far as transaction volume. Um, I mean, it's there, right? The ability is there. Now the, now the, the speculation is just, hey, uh, are, is anybody going to develop the, 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 the network, right? Bitcoin with a capital B? That's the speculation because the technology is there. We can utilize it. We can, we can use it, right? The world can use a Bitcoin standard. And we're going to kind of talk a little bit about some of those things today here, but um, you know, it's all there and, and it's, it's speculative in that somebody has got to develop the network. Um, but it's also, it, it can be difficult at times to, to try to stay as altruistic as possible. Griff, I think you've used that word in, in this sense several times where we have to, we have to always search for the truth, but it's funny you mentioned earlier, like having conversations with people that haven't done the research. I mean, I'm not going to put this person on blast, um, but I had I had uh, a conversation. I think it was last week with a couple of guys, and one another one was uh, it was me and another Bitcoiner and uh, a person that was not a Bitcoiner. And the person that said that they weren't a bit that is not a Bitcoiner said that they were never going to get on board. They said they said, "Yep, yeah, I'm just I'm never going to believe in it." And it's like, wow, like what a what a fucking stupid statement to say, you know, that's like that. I mean, you can't say you, you can't say that you would never get on board with anything. I mean, how stupid is it of somebody to say that? And this is a smart person. You know, this is somebody that I, I look to and say, yeah, that's a smart person. Um, and, and what a stupid ass thing to say. And, you know, so it, it's crazy, right? You, you go in, you do all these hours of research and you're like, oh, wow, this makes a ton of sense. But, you know, I guess that's the uh, that's why we get the early adopters advantage. Right. Well, it, that's an interesting conversation point. It's like, what is the what is the mind of an early adopter? Do you have to be a super high IQ individual to recognize trends early and to see like what is good and what works? I wouldn't say you need to be very smart. Even it's more no. about being open minded and going like, Huh. I think it's more about knowing who is actually smart, like knowing who is in the know, knowing who is a good trendsetter, knowing who is, you know, it's more or less about yourself. Like, what is your IQ? Like, do you are you a smart investor? Or are you a genius? Like, I'm not a genius, most certainly not. And I've recognized Bitcoin to be what it is. And I. Hey, I cannot stand most of the other cryptos. It's not that I couldn't see a future with it's that I don't think it is a better future and I don't really think they'll work. So I'm not putting my money into it. I don't, I don't believe in them. So I don't know. Like, what do you think the mindset of an early adopter is like for me? I just think it's more about being open-minded and kind of always having your ear to the ground, I guess would be the best way to put it. I think that's the most important thing you can do to be early to certain things is like, you just hear about something, right? It doesn't matter what industry it is. You go, Oh, that's, is that different? Like that's new. 
All right. Because that's what it was for Bitcoin to me. I didn't know what money was. Right. I didn't know anything about the history of money before I got into Bitcoin. But then somebody phrased it to me in a way where I was like, oh, like, so like, that's like a thing. Like, I don't like, yeah. I'm, they're like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, like, let me start looking into it. Yeah. And so I, I, I think I think that's I think that's exactly it. It's like so, you know, Bitcoin is still at a place where it's very small and there's a ton of people that don't know about it. Right. Maybe you may have heard it in passing or something, but it's not really been on your radar. Um, I think the important thing to note here is for somebody to get to a level of understanding where we are, right? We, we, don't, we don't claim to know everything, but we know more than the average Joe, right? For somebody to get to where we are in understanding of Bitcoin or really anything, it's just a matter of let me just go out and read and consume the content because it's all there. All the information is there. If you want it, it's there. It's just a matter of, is it on my radar? And am I interested enough to go learn about this thing? And, uh, you know, I think that's that's kind of the key thing. And just so happens that you and I were before Bitcoin interested in money. We we're interested in how it flows, how it works. How do I get it? How do other people get it? What does business look like? What are these different types of investments? And Bitcoin just happened to be one of those things that that flowed across your radar and got you into to seeing what's going on. And then you brought it to my attention. And then I did the same thing. And here we are today. <laughs> and here's what people don't understand is, is it the longer you hold Bitcoin, the more you believe in it, because if you really are buying it and holding it for even let's say let's say there's 10 right reasons to hold Bitcoin. Let's say that you only have two of those right reasons, like you only have like two real like moral, moral reasons why you're in Bitcoin. The rest of it is I just want to be earlier than everybody else and get rich. That's fine. Even if you have two of them, I promise you those two right things are just going to continue to grow in your head the longer you hold that Bitcoin. Because you can't unsee, you know, the new paradigm that Bitcoin could bring to the world if you even have two of the 10 things. Like for me, the original one, I'm trying to think, the original one for me is actually the node network that really like always sat in my head that said, man, this is, this could, this is, this is why this is going to be better than everything else. Think about all these businesses that basically are getting pillaged by big companies, you know, for a bunch of different third party transactions, 3% here, this percent here, get your money 60 days later. I was like, yeah, that does suck. Like, why wouldn't we just use this node network and boom, everybody gets their money and it's free. Like, how does that not help the world when you just cut out all of that crap? Yeah. And that was like one of the first orange pill things for me where it was like a little bit more in depth. But I was like, oh, that's like, I, that's always like my first, like, because I just thought it was very creative. Yeah. And for me, I think the most important thing about any of these technologies that are coming out, why Bitcoin is better, is Bitcoin can truly be built on with no real interference. Anybody can build it. There's no, nobody controls yeah. it. Nobody gets to say yes or no to, you know, what's, what side chain you're building on the Lightning Network. Or nobody says yes or no to you monetizing a website via Lightning. Nobody can do anything about that nobody can stop yeah. you from getting a node so i think that yeah. that for me is one of the the one of 10 things you know i would say that just kept growing in my mind and then it just made me want to talk to other people about it because it's like no you guys don't understand like this is really just i'm not going to get rich like i no matter whether you guys adopt it or not there's there's bigger money bigger forces at hand here than me telling you like hey like this is a real good thing just because let's say it does work out and you know, Ethereum goes to a hundred thousand and Bitcoin goes to a million. 
Well, I still wouldn't want to hold Ethereum based on what I know about their known network, based on what I know about tokens, based on what I know about the ecosystem and their staking and all of this stuff. I wouldn't want to own it because it is the same thing as what we're dealing with now, whereas Bitcoin is not. And basically, yeah, like basically those two things for me are like why I don't know, like it's orange and it continues to grow in my mind. And that's to my first point. Bitcoin, if you're a Bitcoiner or you hold it, those ideas that you have that originally got you in, they're like, oh, this is really cool. They just keep growing. They never stop growing. And you never look at that part of life the same, whether it's the store of value, the network, the medium of exchange, you'll never look at it as energy consumption. You'll never look at it the same. And that's my argument for your boy who's like, oh, I'm never going to believe in it. Dude, that's fine. There's a lot more people like me and you that that are like, oh, we we own, you know, 10% 10 of a Bitcoin. And uh, yeah, I think it's super cool. I mean, I don't I don't see the world going anywhere without Bitcoin. And most people who own Ethereum and whatnot, they'll still be saying that because they know it's true, but they want their you know, lower price point to go up higher because they want more money, but they know what actually is going to work. So I just think over time, your boy's going to be wrong because there's going to be more people that are like, I'm not letting go of this stuff. Somebody's going to build something awesome and I'm not going to be left behind in the dust. Like I'm not giving up my orange, my orange tokens, my orange coins, you know what I'm saying? But that's just kind of my thesis. Like, I think there's a lot more people now that are entrenched into Bitcoin worldwide that have these two right things in their head that are just expanding ever expanding kind of ideas that are all kind of altruistic, all kind of for the better. Cause that's what Bitcoin is in the sense. And your boy's just going to be left in the dust because it'll be 500,000 and it'll drop. And he's probably still going to be one of the ones to go see not going to work. You guys are idiots. It's like, dude, if it's already at 24,000, a coin after a crash, it's already one bro. <laughs> like there were people that didn't sell from 17,000 to three that didn't care, that saw what me and Nick are seeing. Now we're a little bit later than them. We don't care. We held all the, we, we were like, we saw it go to 18,000. We said, please keep going down. We said, please keep going <laughs> down. We want to buy all of it. We want everybody out. Everybody get out. We'll buy all of it. We don't care. It's, it's not greedy. It's just that we know what it is. We know how valuable it could potentially be. So that's my thesis, Nick, for your guy. I mean, I don't know what, you said to him in the moment, but I deal with people like all, that all the time. And it's like, it's very silly to say that you're never going to get into a technology that doesn't have an owner. That's like saying you're not going to get into flight or telecommunication. Yeah. Oh, or I, oh wheels. Oh, no, I'm not a big wheel guy. I don't like those wheels. Satellites. Uh-huh. I do not no, like that. I'm, Wi-Fi a, I'm a two-legged walker stuff. here myself. I'm not messing with those wheels. <laughs> I mean, that's I'm literally saying. how dumb this is. It's I don't like, like that. You know? That's exactly how dumb it is. It doesn't make any sense. Bitcoin is a utility as much as it is a money, as much as it is a monetary network. It is a lot yeah. of things wrapped in one. So when you're when your dude's saying that, he's saying he's like, yeah, could never see myself getting into anything better. Like, all right, brother, that's good for you. Well, but if you I mean, learn anything about people, we're going to keep growing. We're going to we're going to great example is um, you know I know you're you're a fan and I am also a fan of. Um, What's what's homeboy's name that's in the that's in the space force that that does all the um, the energy? Uh, you talking about Nick that? Carter? No, um, or you the guy that's Jason Lowry. 
Jason Lowry, Jason Lowry. He uses the example yeah. of, uh, of the invention or the founding of the gun, right? Now, the gun was like, a gun was an invention, right? But this was nothing other than we're going to put a couple of these things together in a certain way, and, and then we're going to put some type of external force on it, call it a trigger finger, and it's going to shoot a projectile at something, right? This is this is right. like he was, he was doing first principles, first principles yeah. explanations, right? Like that's what that yeah. was. And so it's like yeah. it's like okay, I, I oh I don't believe I don't believe in those guns. I don't like those guns. And it's like okay, you can believe that all you want, but like, but like people in the in the world are going to use them. Like they're going to be used. And if you don't also jump on ship, you have to. You you're you're not going to be in a good spot. Here, think about this too. Here's another example, actually. Um, I think it was, it's a certain type of racing. I think it was like sailboat racing or something like this. And um, so they've, they've got this course, right? They've got this course. They've got to go around this certain area, right? And uh, as the trailer, if you're trailing somebody in front of you, it's strategically a better decision to follow exactly where that person goes versus going another way that you think may be faster, now here's the logic on this. Think about this. Because it's kind of it's kind of counterintuitive on the front end, but then you think about it and you're like, "Oh, that makes sense." So, let's say that this this person that's in front of you is going a direction that you don't quite feel is the fastest route, right? But your your competition is to beat them, right? You have to beat them in the race. So it's better to follow their exact route rather than rather than pushing your own boat out into some other unknown situation, right? Now, again, this is kind of general, right? We, we know that there's obviously very situational things that happen, but um, it's more strategic to follow suit in the sense, think about the guns, right? It's more, it's more uh, strategic to follow suit and just adopt guns because everybody else is versus saying, you know what? I don't think it's going to work. I'm not going to do it. There's just too much risk. There's too much risk in not going with the flow and uh, the deal with these sailboat racing, uh, the sailboat racing example is it's it's less risky to follow suit with the person in front of you versus trying to go around another way that's faster. Because what if you hit something that's a little unknown, right? There's a little bit more unknown in that situation. That's a good point. Um, but so let's let's hop into this. Uh, let's hop into a real quick market check because I've got some other stuff that I'd rather get into and spend more time on. Let's jump into a real quick market check. Um, again, today, guys, is Saturday, August 13th. It is now 919. Um, we are, you know what nobody's talking about? Uh, Bitcoin is up like 20%, 25% over the past month. Nobody's talking about that, A. Um, the market is sitting right now, Bitcoin price is sitting right now at $24,497. Um, that's where Bitcoin is. Uh, the S&P had a good Friday. Um, it's done done pretty good the past week. It's done pretty good the past month. Uh, it's done it's done it's up positive over the past three months. Um, so it's S and P's doing all right. Uh, looks like things are coming back up since uh, it started falling there for a little while. It was falling. Um, when is this? January. Uh, it, it's been falling since January. Let's see if it's a little further. Yeah. So it had a high at like late December. So late December, early January, it started falling, and now it's coming back up, it looks like, a little bit. But the S&P is sitting at 4,200. 4, 
the NASDAQ is sitting at uh, 330. Um, the Dow Jones is sitting at 33,000. Uh, we see the VIX here. Let's look at the VIX over the past month, three months. So the VIX is going down as uh, as the S&P is, which is pretty standard. Um, let's see where oil's at. Oil's at $91 a barrel. Um, that's your quick market check here. Uh, again, the Bitcoin price today is 24498 bucks. Griff, I didn't want to spend a whole bunch of time in there, but what's the point of market check? Well, I mean, I think the point is that it's always good to look, honestly, but one Bitcoin is always it's going to be one Bitcoin is kind of for the people who don't listen to this podcast, me and Nick usually will ramble about something, 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 but then come back to the great thing that one Bitcoin is going to be one Bitcoin. And that is wholly true. I wanted to say, though, this is not financial advice, but everybody needs to be very careful because it's still highly inflationary times, which means there's a lot of money out there. And if you're a smaller trader, there's a lot bigger games at play right now, a lot of leverage in the market right now that you cannot see. Mm. I'm telling you, you don't know out there. And so while it might look good for a little bit, the whole telltale sign of a recession or a depression is that there's a lot of, there's weeks or there's months where it's good. And then it goes right back to where it needs to be going, which is down, 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 down. So I just want to caution everybody before they get excited after we've had some like good days or good weeks, but. I think that's just like, it's funny money. Like that's what happens when things are funny money. And I more or less <clears throat> say that because our president's celebrating 8.5% inflation. Like that's like something. <laughs> and you largely attribute like the drop in inflation to the drop in oil prices. But the drop in oil prices could almost largely be attributed to a lagging indicator. That is the fact that they let those oil reserves out. And now it's finally hitting the price of it a little bit. So what happens when we can't continue to do oil reserves? We, oh, the price will go back up and inflation will go back up. So we're not out of the woods yet. I feel like I felt this in the market. I felt this on Twitter. Like people are rooting for the price of Bitcoin to go up so hard. And I think that's great and everything, but that's not what we're here for. I mean, Bitcoin will survive. It will survive anything in my opinion. It doesn't matter. But you can't keep rooting for <clears throat> things to just go up. I mean, in my opinion, like that just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But I don't know what you think. It's it's really interesting. It's like interesting to watch everybody realize and like we know what we need. We know we know we need probably the depression of a lifetime. We know that we need things to go back to 1990s type prices with the fact that our labor and wages will never keep up with inflation. But yet everybody with the 401k or everybody with a little money in the market or anybody and everybody's just rooting for shit to go up, just go up, go up to the moon. It's like, no, uh, you more or less, you need to root for a healthy market and a healthy market would mean a lot of things come back to reality. Bitcoin, I could argue is at reality point, but. Okay, Griff, you, you bring up a great point there. You talk about open markets here. So this was that conversation that I had, uh, this was a conversation that I had yesterday with a guy that I work with, and I thought it was a really fun conversation. And it started here. So I want to start at the same spot and then kind of lead you down this thought process. So uh, as you guys, listeners may know, um, the fiance and I are buying the first house. We're closing at the end of this month and, uh, you know, thinking about um, the move in process, all that kind of stuff. And so I was thinking, you know, we, we've got we've got an Alexa here at the current place and. Love using that sucker. I mean, when we're cooking, you know, telling Alexa to set the timer, 
telling Alexa to play some music, telling Alexa to play a podcast or what, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, ton, tons of great little advantages of being able to say, Alexa, blah, 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 whatever. Right. Um, but we were thinking about it and, uh, and, the, and Janae was like, I don't know. I don't know if we want an Alexa in the house, right. That, that thing could be listening to us. So, um, I was talking to one of the guys about this. I'm like, I'm like, man, what do you think? Like, how does this work? You know, because I mean, uh, I don't know if you've heard example after example, like I have, but where, you know, people are, you know, having conversation, whatever, and then they get an ad on their phone for something that they were talking about. And it's like, oh, <laughs> this bitch Alexa's listed to us, you know? Uh, so, so we were kind of talking about that, but then, then this conversation kind of went down this, uh, this unnecessary third party intermediary. And, uh, we were talking about, we were talking about these large companies like Google for a great example. Um, and then we were talking about how, how Bitcoin could play a, a role in this new Renaissance period that could come about. And, you know, think about it, think about it like this too. Um, Think about the government printing money. They don't want Bitcoin. They're not incentivized to want Bitcoin because that means they lose all the power that they've got today. They're not incentivized to do that. Um, yeah. You know, this, this, uh, I love Alexa. I think Alexa would be so cool if it was a decentralized type system where some person didn't have all your personal information. That's the only, that's the only thing that I don't like. Right. About it, right? Like you didn't have to give up your entire digital identity. Because that's what we're talking about. Uh, just yep. before you continue the thing, how, how I, I like to view this is that whether you like it or not, in life, you have multiple personalities. Like there's people have multiple personality disorder. We probably all have it. You have your spiritual personality. You have like your business or your just like real world personality, what you are as a husband or a friend or a, a businessman or whatever you are. You have your real world personality, spiritual, real world. And now because of the internet, we do all have digital personality, digital identities, digital personalities. Yeah. And the internet is an entirely different sphere than the real world is. And the most successful people I've seen at it realize that like the Dave Portnoy's of the world who do really like they have taken over the internet. They become uber popular because they understand that the internet is not real life. It is an entirely different uh, arena. So just before you continue, like, I just want to say like, that's how I view it. Like I, 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 I am not worried somewhat about some of the Alexa stuff. I am worried about the TikTok stuff because I don't like the keystroke thing. But I am more or less less worried about, you know, somebody stealing my preferences. Um, although I don't like it, Nick, because I feel like we should be valuing our digital identity very, 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 like, greatly. Because over the next few years, it's very arguable that your digital identity will be more important than your real world identity. Fair. I mean, it's a fair. It's it's a it's a fair question. Like, which one is going to be more valuable over the next fifty years? Well, Nick, Nick from the Nick and Griff show, or Nick at Descend Commercial Building? I mean, it's two totally different things, and you're being watched by two totally different sets of people because there's people who are in the real world watching Nick right now, going, "Oh, this is a good good young fella," and now there's people on the internet going, "Nick, oh, this guy's a good dude." So I don't know. I don't know where it was going with the Alexa thing, like Alexa spying on you guys. But is it? Is it cool? Keep going though. Just keep. Yeah. Going. So 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 the uh, so the thought ultimately ended up. We were talking about 
we kind of talked about the industrial revolution and how that completely just changed the world the, as, as the world was known at that time. Right. And I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about, uh, <clears throat> the internet, right. The internet, uh, is not owned by somebody. The internet is a free open market where, where we're now running into issues is that these third party, uh, intermediaries think of Google, uh, you know, they're a, a huge example. They are the plot. They create the platforms that we use to interact mm -hmm. with the internet, right? Mm -hmm. Think of the internet, right? As the free open right. market online. And then, and think of how many different yeah. browsers there are, right? You've got Safari, you've got Google Chrome, you've got internet Explorer, you, however many uh, that you've got out there. Right. And they've almost all largely done it. The access the internet, right? Um, now, now think yeah. about this too. Uh, think of think of if um... built on protocols, though built on they were they were freely built on the internet. That's what there is. That's a good point to that. Correct. The internet yeah. is and, still and, out there. Like that's what. And, and this is Nick is what Nick is talking about. There are things like impervious AI. Maybe we yep. need to put their uh, Twitter thing up because we should be promoting them for free no matter what. Where they're providing uh, services where it's like. Oh, you'd like to do a Zoom call end-to-end -end encrypted, but it's peer-to-peer. -peer, so like nobody know, you know, nobody actually has access to what you're saying, or there's no Zoom in the middle of your guys' call. Zoom doesn't need to connect you guys. You guys just connect via the internet. People need mm -hmm. to understand that the internet does work that way. Uh Google, Twitter, uh, Facebook, all of these tech companies, all of they have done is essentially create little governments. You can think about the little nation states on the internet if you want to think about yeah. it that way. All they have done is basically more or less man like tiktok's a great example right because they're doing it right now oh get on my platform you'll blow up and you'll get a crap ton of followers and then what happens over time on almost every single platform this is google included whoever is paying them the most ad revenue money that is what you're going to start seeing the most no matter what you do that yeah. is exactly what happens because they're centralizing the platform to where the creators of it have all of your information they can sell that information for a lot, a lot of money and boom. So like the, the internet is changing in the sense that there are now um, end to end encrypted services <clears throat> where you can do a lot of the stuff that you can do on Twitter, Google, Facebook. And the cooler thing is that Bitcoin is not like this HTTP where you're going to build new websites on Bitcoin, but because of lightning, you're going to be able to monetize these end to end encrypted zoom calls via lightning network that, is the greatest money ever. I mean, lightning is awesome. There's no transaction fees. You can monetize any website you want and you can shave it all the way back down to your Bitcoin layer one wallet for nothing. It's like, all right, great. Like, let's do that. So yeah. lightning monetizes all these ideas, but I don't know. I, I, I think we see that very similar. I feel like these centralized platforms, they've, they've, they've done a good job in the early internet, just like, you know, rich people did in the early world right but it's almost like digital slavery honestly like what's going on right now like we literally all get on these platforms and we sell our souls to these to these people and it's all ad revenue money which yeah. if anybody knows propaganda and marketing is like is like the biggest industry there is very very it's lucrative not, business it's not technically an in, it's not technically like its own industry it's more or less just something that these businesses do right but like one of the biggest real industries in america is rich corporations trying to influence you towards their product like you can go back as old as time it doesn't matter 
what you're seeing in life. I mean, uh, the most eye-opening one called marketing. Yeah, it's like the, the only the the best one that I see is is like the whole breakfast most important meal of the day. Marketing, it's a hundred percent marketing. Uh, the reason why we drink vodka in America. Do you know about that one? Mm-mm. So you're you, they try to make vodka popular for like a long time, and I'm paraphrasing the story, but Europeans came over and they had this crappy clear lip, you know, vodka it tastes terrible. It's a terrible, terrible drink. And nobody, <laughs> and nobody liked it. Like nobody liked it compared to beer. I don't think anybody liked it compared to wine or all of the other alcohols available, all the other liquors available. And so what did they do? They put in these copper mugs and they call them Moscow mules and people liked the copper mug. So then they started drinking more vodka and that's how vodka first initially became like popular in America. They did it behind a Moscow mule. They did it behind a copper mug. They're like, oh, look at this copper mug. And then eventually, obviously, it spreads and more vodka drinks get popular and blah, blah, blah. But at a certain level, vodka was marketing. It didn't work. Nobody wanted it. Nobody wanted cereal in the morning. And then they told you it was the most important meal. Now you're eating sugar oats to start your day. You know, it's like it is mostly marketing. So that's all Twitter, Facebook, Google, uh, Amazon, Walmart starting a streaming service. If you can consume content on a platform, it is currently centralized. And I argue that it's going to change. I don't know, Nick, did you see the Andrew Schultz uh, comedy special? I did not. Do you know who Andrew Schultz is? No. He's been on Rogan a few times. Pretty good. um, Really good comedian. I think he's very funny. Um, I may know him him if I saw him or, or heard him or something. You definitely, you, yeah, you probably definitely would. But anyway, just he, big comedian, right? And for a very long time, these streaming platforms have actually censored comedy very well. If you were to ask him or listen to him on some podcast, because he'll always talk about the fact that, you know, I was on Netflix for a while. They would always not let me say this joke, that joke, this the joke, that joke. And, you know, my fan base is big enough now where it's like, screw them. I'm just going to like create the andrewschultz.com and sell my special on there. And then, you know, people can just stream it on there or do whatever they want to do. And it was a very big leap, right? Because he basically told Netflix to like to fuck off and I'm just going to do it myself. And it's been wildly successful. I mean, he said he's made more money than he ever made with Netflix. Um, and everybody's clicking on his site. So that's like the first iteration of like, okay, we don't need these platforms to get my content out there. They're helpful to a point, but then these people are bigger than their platforms. And the only thing that's missing is, you know, some impervious browsers, people understanding the internet better with VPNs. And, you know, I mean, just understanding the tools they have. If you're uh, Andrew Schultz, the fact that you wouldn't be running, in my opinion, like a lightning service right on your webpage instead of dollars of that MasterCard and Visa, like, why would you not just take the Bitcoin? You're getting more money. You're literally getting more money. And I'm pretty sure Lightning isn't even a taxable event. So you're getting more money and they can't tax you until you make it a layer one Bitcoin. So it's, whoa, it's like the world is changing. But that's, I don't know. Those are my examples, Nick. I, okay, I so what, what do you think about this then here? Um, I, I feel like these gatekeepers of, of sorts, we could call them, uh, these huge platforms we all are basically monopolized into using, right? We've all, there's only a couple. There's only a couple of big ones that, that everybody uses, right? And they use them for a reason. Now I, I can't deny that they provide a good service, right? So I have to have to acknowledge that. But also, um, it's almost like they're they're monopolizing something that's at some point going to become obsolete, right? Now think about the industrial revolution. I'm sure that there were I'm sure that there were big companies that were basically hiring services. Maybe I, I don't know. I, I don't know an e- exact example where. 
they say, hey, you need people to go, uh, you know, spin your cotton, do the, it, like whatever it was, like just very manual human labor, um, where then the invention of the machine comes around. And now we no longer need any of those people. And they're like, oh, well, you can't have workers unless you come through us. And it's like, well, fuck you. We don't need that because we've got machines now. Like we've got we've got industrial machines, you know, that can do this without the, the, the physical manual labor from a person. Right? right. And so you need less people, which makes it more efficient. Now, follow me here on this. This makes this makes production more efficient. Um, and, and that makes that should make things cheaper, right? Uh, to some extent. Now, this is what it seems like. This is what it seems like with these uh, these big third party intermediaries. Think of Google, for example. They are the gatekeeper, and they charge you to use their platforms. Now, they don't charge you with money. This is a, this is deceptive, right? They charge you by you giving them all of your information, and then they sell that information to companies who want to advertise to people like you. So they put you in this box, right? And they say, and this company A says, hey, I want to advertise to these types of people in this area. And whenever, if you fall into that, that criteria, bang, now, now, now that company, that third-party intermediary can make money off of you because they've got your information and this company can advertise to you. Now, do I think that that is inherently bad? I, I, don't, think that, I don't think that advertising to somebody specific is bad. But I think that where you get into some real strange issues is when now these companies that don't actually provide anything, they're just a third party intermediary. They're a third party intermediary that's taking that's taking your information and selling it to other companies. Now, again, they do provide a service, a product that you that you utilize, that you uh, you use to access the Internet. Right. I mean, I'm using uh, I'm using Google Chrome right now to stream on StreamYard because I can't use another browser that I like better. I, I like to use Safari better on, on all my Apple products. I can't use that to, to, uh, to stream this. So I have to use Google. That's a monopoly in some sense, right? Um, now, I also think that, uh, that the internet, right? The internet is the open market. The internet is an open market where anybody can go in and plug into the internet and they can offer their services. They can uh, talk with people, they can do whatever, right? You can do whatever you want to do on the internet. But you've got gatekeepers that say you can or cannot access if right. you use our system. Now, it just so happens that you can't access the internet unless you use one of these systems. So you got to think, well, what's the deal there, right? Um, and then thinking back a little bit more on the industrial revolution and just innovations in technology over time, Innovations should make things or innovations inherently make things more efficient, right? Maybe it's some new thing that we add on to an existing system and it makes this part of that process go way better. Or maybe it's something like Bitcoin that's a complete overhaul of money that makes money more efficient. Right now, we're dealing with this. We're dealing with these third-party intermediaries. We all know them as banks. And they, and they don't want to give up control because they're not incentivized to do that. If, if we all move to Bitcoin, we don't need banks anymore. Why do we need banks right now? Now, I say that I still think that there's going to be financial services, right? People are still going to need help managing their cash flows, managing all of those types of things. People still want help with that. Do you have to have it? No, you don't have to have it. But you're, there's not going to be banks anymore that are keeping your deposits safe, so-called. Accounting will be a lot easier. <laughs> 
you won't and have to spend as much money on accounting. Bitcoin doesn't so, get a job of that. <laughs> so the thought the thought was uh it was pretty it was pretty wild to think that man, these third party intermediaries are have monopolized information at this point, right? Via the, on the internet, via how you interact with the internet. They've done a, they've done a good job of monopolizing. They've done as good <clears throat> as I, th- I think it's peaking is what I would say about it. But I know, well, I mean, the, the public internet, the public <clears throat> internet that you and I can go on and Google and access is not all of the internet. That's well, that, only that, Google's that, database of the internet. Right. That that's why there's to- other services like DuckDuckGo that you can get on and, boom, you're on a totally different internet. And it's pretty astounding. Hey, have you used DuckDuckGo as a service yet? I, I do use, I, I don't use Google anymore. I use DuckDuckGo, yeah. Yeah, I mean, DuckDuckGo, for everybody that's listening, is basically just <clears throat> another server, I'm pretty sure, that doesn't take ad revenue. So that, that essentially, they don't censor your information. And you can do it plain as day. You can go on Safari right now and do a Google search and then do a, a a search on DuckDuckGo in the same browser, and you'll, and you'll get, get different results. You'll get totally different results for almost yep. every single thing. And if you want to find something that you literally think the government might not want you to see, if you look at it, for, look it up on DuckDuckGo, all of a sudden it like pops up, and you're just like, oh, so there is an actual story about this. Let me read it and process it for myself. And what's crazy is at this point is if you go on something like DuckDuckGo, and this is what the internet originally did and then they centralized it and kind of everybody kind of quieted down a little bit you know because the information got back and the lightning got back in the bottle the lightning is about to get out of the bottle because there's things like DuckDuckGo where people are getting on it and they're going okay like this is odd why am i being censored and i feel like most americans are like myself they're like i don't live here to be censored like this is not we don't that's not what this place is for and <clears throat> I don't know, Nick, to your, to your point, like kind of more towards the beginning of what you were saying about like just the centralized platforms and I don't know how they'll just like pick off everybody's information. It's wrong, right? Like I mean, everybody would agree that that's wrong, that <laughs> they decide to basically sell your information for money. Like it's as easy as like, cool, I have a website. Now I have all your information. Like that's kind of lame that they ha- like that that gives them that much access. Oh, you signed my terms of service. It's like, of course I signed your terms of service. I can't use the internet if I don't sign terms of service at this point. In terms of service is basically like here. Take hey, we're gonna take everything from you and f you. Get out of here. You know. Yeah, it's awful. So I guess this is to say, like the first uh, browser that has a bunch of services that stop asking me for everything. I'll start using those. But it'll be interesting to see, in my opinion, how some of these centralized platforms, like Nick is saying, it doesn't matter what, that's kind of what you were getting to. It doesn't, everybody would agree, hopefully, listen to this, it doesn't matter what industry, it doesn't matter what um, reality or paradigm you're talking about. Centralized, humans centralized. Humans have used centralized platforms. Human use centralized groups. Like that has been kind of how we make decisions it doesn't matter whether it's in the form of a democracy or it's in the form of a company or it's in the form of a DAO with some of these great people love to centralize because it, we haven't really found a better way. Bitcoin is the better way that I mean, like if, if I'm making it sellable, Bitcoin is the other way to where we don't you all of a sudden you don't need centralized platforms because centralized platforms are more about, OK, and we have this certain amount of money. 
how are we going to give this money back to our people, our investors? Instead of letting somebody decide how to give the money back or what to do with it, just let Bitcoin do the whole thing. And it's a trustless open source ledger. It's just, it actually changes money. So I don't know. That's kind of my answer to it. Like, that's why I like Bitcoin yeah. so much. It's more, yeah. Bitcoin is attacking incentives programs and Bitcoin is attacking the idea that we need, you know, a small group of people to make decisions for everybody. I don't think we need to do that anymore simply because that's mostly about monetary decisions. Most of the time, if you have a centralized group, I mean, in any situation you centralize or <clears throat> like in the healthcare system, there's five GPOs in America that control 90% of the purchasing decisions for 90% of the health systems in our country, 90% of the hospitals, five groups control 90% of basically healthcare costs for however many million Americans. Why are they centralizing? Because that's how they get better prices from companies like mine that I work for or a company, you know, like selling into it. And while that's a good idea, that even in and of itself is only necessary because right now we do not have another way to price negotiate or, you know, provide commerce or have an economic system that relies on something other than centralized groups negotiating for the masses. It would be so much easier if everything was built open source and peer to peer in the sense that, oh, I can see now what everybody else is getting paid anyway. Why don't you just negotiate with everybody in the world via this decentralized manner? Like that is what the game really is. I think. And, and it's, and it's I an open that. market too, is but the key. Yeah, 100%. in demand. It's a truly free market because the only thing that makes, the only thing I think that stopped the free market in the past is that you don't have that, like, <clears throat> it's hard for a small company in a free market to get big right now because it's all about connections. It's all about who you know. How do you get that lower price? What relationship gets you what you need? Do you know what I'm saying? And Bitcoin is actually providing this new way for us to interact where it's like, Okay, if we start building these open open software programs, who's to say somebody on a lightning application or a layer three won't just go, hey, fuck all these GPOs, right? Just join my healthcare, whatever, list your product on my open source site and you can negotiate on your own, right? On like in your own format, how you can negotiate however you'd like with whatever hospital, and whatever product, but the pricing is right here. Everybody can see what this product is worth. Boom, just got a lot cheaper. Like, and it's not saying you, and it can be decentralized. That's what kind of like these impervious browsers are showing because it's with Bitcoin and the lightning network, as long as you're not giving your money to a central authority via a company or an application, it's not centralized. I mean, that's kind of the whole point. So that is what Bitcoin, I think, is kind of doing to these centralized platforms. It's just making it obsolete because it's, <clears throat> it's, it, it is a better way to run business, uh, via Bitcoin. It's a better way to build companies. I think it's more sustainable as well. Small group of people making all the decisions. What is like a really good example of that? I think it was the Romans or the Greeks. You know Marcus Aurelius? He was like the last Roman emperor, right? Last great one. And it was because of his son, obviously, that like everything started to go downhill right after him. But the four previous emperors to him all didn't have a son. They all, and in that culture, you adopt a son or you adopt a young man and then he becomes emperor. And so basically that whole thing got broken up because, well, he actually had a son and being a father is one of the hardest things you can do. Not everybody, even if you're a successful man, will you be a successful father? 
and his son was garbage and he ruined the whole thing. And that was because it was very, and it was very, and that's like the most centralized example I can give your way. Your, your life is hanging on the balance of him being a good father. And everybody knows that that is really hard. And his son came out shit and then everything boom done. That happens today. That happens today in America with corporations, with uh, sports franchises, with mom and pop shops, with all kinds of stuff. Like people will, you know, they let their next of kin take over and then it completely blows up. That happens every single day. But the only reason, in my opinion, why that happens so much is because money is so fake. Even when they mess it up, <clears throat> yeah, you're still good. You know, like there isn't really too much hanging in the balance. And Bitcoin changes that. Everything's hanging in the balance. You can go from hero to zero quick if there's only 21 million. You can't just make stupid decisions over and over and over again and expect better results when money is sound. And yep. I think that answers your last point you were making <clears throat> in your in your uh, memoir a little bit there was that sound money creates a better world because there's less waste. It has to be more efficient. Like people have to figure out, you know, better solutions to easier problems. You have to do all the little things right in a, in a sound money standard. And that's inarguable. Over time, when you have sounder money, the sounder money gets the better technology gets faster <clears throat> the last golden age was what the renaissance a little bit and i mean it's pretty inarguable like things were getting pretty good during those times and well i mean the the late 80s early 90s you know in the in the boom of the internet as that was coming around i mean that was a a pretty big was- bull market run you know as far as the economy uh, innovations how things were going well, that's There's a lot of non-sound money standard i mean that's then, like all the stuff yeah. that we're dealing with now though isn't it like that's like it was all created in a fake money fiat standard. And look what look what's happening now, how easily that was centralized. I feel it was, like it's all manipulated. Yeah. Like it boomed up. Yeah. <clears throat> and now it's like, holy shit, all these people that boomed up have all the money and they're freaking predators. Mark Zuckerberg, <laughs> like, oh, I mean, so on and so forth. Jack Dorsey, hopefully is not. But you can't trust anybody with that much power. That's kind of the whole thing. Like it doesn't, I, I'm not like a hater of billionaires because like, Go do your thing. You made the money. You did what you had to do. But well, I also don't trust you. <laughs> yeah, like, but I also don't think that like if if there is like a percentage of decision making power you should have over everything. I mean, I, I wouldn't give you a lot. Like, I'm happy that your company's huge and you can go buy yachts and do whatever you want. But like, I don't think you should be making decisions for anybody just because you have a lot of money. Like, that's what I think might be wrong with our society now. It's like these billionaires who make all this money. It's awesome because, as you and I know, it's a little bit fake. And so some of these people who get there, it's eh, it's a little like, well, something went really right for them there. And, and do they know a lot? Like, should Mark Cuban, you know, they might do good things. Or they might be nice people or they might be bad people. I don't know. But, like, I think they are genuinely good people. It's just that you're giving somebody a lot of power and you're centralizing of money. And when you centralize money, it's like, okay, well, if 10 people are making decisions – there's no way everybody's ever going to be happy with that. The world is too diverse. It's too complex. Everything is too, like, regional. Everything, everything's day by day, street by street, neighborhood by neighborhood. Like, that's how the world works. And right now, it's like, like definitely like a small group of people making decisions for a lot. Just look at the Fed. I mean, the Fed's how many people? And it's like, what are we doing? So I think that's kind of what Bitcoin changes. I mean, that's a good point, Nick. I mean, centralized platforms, everything's centralized. 
but that's why proof of work is so much better than proof of stake. And yeah. that's why Bitcoin is, in my opinion, like that's why it is again, so investable, the big B, like Nick said, Nick coined that term, not this show, Nick coined the term. I hope that actually like that we founded something. Cause I like that the big B, the network is the real like moneymaker here. It's about peer to peer networks. It's not about centralized platforms or nation states or governments. It's about finding a way to create an economic system or a monetary system where we don't need any centralized networks because we all know that besides maybe like a salesperson who needs to, you know, you know, for competition in the marketplace, like explain, you know, like the car to you or sell it to somebody because I do feel like there's a place for sales in in any world. Besides that, everything else is kind of like you're just taking money off the top, man. Like you're just taking money out of somebody else's pocket for something pretty unnecessary. So I don't know. Like that's I think that's kind of the coolest part about what Bitcoin could be. It literally is just making the world as efficient as it possibly can. And that's what good money does. Good money makes the world more efficient. But in centralized platforms don't help. I think we would all agree with that. We're pretty tired of like all the terms of service and finding out that if you had to TikTok that China your keystrokes and Facebook was selling your data for ad revenue. I think we're all tired of that because it's like we don't have any other options. But I mean, like, I'm in the here. I see all kinds of projects coming because there's a lot of people who feel the way that I had just discussed and me and Nick had just discussed on this podcast. A lot of people that are software developers, that are Bitcoiners, that are building and not even just Bitcoiners. There's lots of crypto people right now building awesome projects that will. They'll move on over on the on the monetary policy side and the decentralized side of Bitcoin over time, but they're building cool stuff right now as we speak. So it'll all change, except for the grifts. There's lots of grifts out there. I don't think we disagree on that, man. There's <laughs> there's a lot of people that know there's confusion and they want to take advantage of the confusion. But that's just that's just that's just a tale as old as time. You have to be smart enough to realize maybe I should only go with the one with no CEO. Maybe I should go with the one that's only an actual commodity. Maybe I should only go with the one that, you know, doesn't charge me crazy transaction fees just because it's POS and the people at the top need more money. <laughs> like, maybe I'm not going to trade token securities that are actually illegal. And I'm not somebody who roots for regulation, but there needs to be r- rules to the game, period, that we all need to abide by. And these yeah. are, are not it. These cryptos are the attempt at basically centralizing the new world currency and we i mean like and if you believe in anything that nick and i just said you can't go out and buy ethereum and freaking solana and all these other ones you can't buy them because you're contributing to another centralized world and that's i think what nick was getting at it's like this whole thing is about becoming truly decentralized truly away from the normal pattern that even is a democracy democracy doesn't work guys you need something that's trustless you can't trust you can't even trust your represented your your representatives of your local whatever government unfortunately uh, people are greedy and power is hard to have and we kind of need something that is trustless and open source and permissionless and it and it works regardless of how greedy the greediest person is but it works all just the same every single time and no matter what anybody does who no matter if satoshi came back tomorrow there's still only going to be 21 million. It'll never change. And that is something that you can believe in. That's something that I can believe in. But, and I don't know. 
that's my answer though. All the centralized platforms, man. So like, that was a lot of stuff that you did say in there, but like, yeah, we don't need them. I don't know what you think. We don't need them. We don't need centralized platforms. Yeah, I think uh, I think I agree with you there on a lot of stuff. Ideally, everything is decentralized in a sense that people don't have to trust others. You know, think about it like uh, the oxygen. We don't need anybody to use oxygen, right? We're all just a bunch of individuals that use this oxygen that is here for us to use. Um, same thing with land, same thing with water. Um, it should be that way. Um, you know, I think I think you definitely run into issues whenever you get into more of the detailed the detailed complex things um, like, hey, if we're all going to live together, there probably should be some rules and regulations. Um, so how do so how do we so how do we decide on those? Right. right. What happens if things change? You know, like though that's where that's where things get complex. But absolutely, that's that's the end goal. Right. Is we're all individuals and we're able to operate within this open market and meet the market's needs in order to in order to earn a living, right, to live, right? Uh, you know, I think, I think something that's interesting here is, is the paradigm of, of people thinking that they, were, uh, they, they just have to work all day, every day, and you go to work to make money. You don't go to work to make money. You provide service. You provide some type right. of service to earn money, right? And that's a paradigm shift, right? You have to, you have to be intentional about how you think about that. Um, and, and so it, it really is twisted up, right? And we're taught this from, from, from the time that we start going to school. It's, okay, here's this set of directions, follow the directions and do this and do that. We're, I mean, we're trained, uh, we're trained to be just employees, right? We're trained to be working for somebody else in some other system. We're not, we're not trained to learn. We're not trained to try to understand who we are as a human being. We're not trained any of those things. Um, and that's scary, right? But yeah, I, I agree that the end goal is ideally some system where there's no trust included. Um, you know, I, I think I think very similar to the current banking system, it was a great option at one point. It was the best innovation that we'd had at one point. But the question becomes then uh, very similar to the Industrial Revolution. As we have new innovations and new findings of new technologies, new discoveries, at some point, this thing falls off because it's no longer relevant because we don't need it anymore. And, and the question is, is how many things are, are we going to start seeing change as we're seeing, you know, I mean, it, it, let's say, let's say that, uh, that Bitcoin takes off and, and people start using Bitcoin as money. Um, you know, another piece that's a side note that I don't really want to get into now. Um, but you know, if Google were to take, you know, 1% of their research and development budget, and said, hey, you know what? We really like Bitcoin. We're going to do something that's altruistic and we're going to develop the Bitcoin network. Bang, Bitcoin would be the money standard in fucking month, you know? But that, that's, a, that's a whole other conversation. But um, the, the thing is, is when we go on a Bitcoin hard money standard, now think of the innovation that's going to come from the human mind that's been locked up, that's been locked up in human minds because... We've been in a system where we can't think about, you know, 20 years in the future. We have to think about today, today, today. I got to go to work. I got to go to work. I got to make this money. It's hand to mouth, hand to mouth. As much money as I can make, I got to spend because that's the way that we're incentivized to operate. So the answer has got to be that we have a sound money standard that, that we're operating it in ways where it, it truly is supply and demand and, and open markets. And I think that you can't have that if there is some type of central authority so uh, I would think that everything needs to be decentralized. 
um, in order for human beings to operate at peak potential, at least here on Earth, as we know life is today. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's I think it's the thing that when we talk about early adopters, which is what our podcast started on here, um, the phone was hard, guys. Flight was hard. The Internet was hard. Nobody believed in it. Nobody thought it was possible. And that's like that was a paradigm of going from, OK, we get our information from a newspaper, right? So I can sit on my couch with this computer and just look at anything that I want. It's changed the entire world. I mean, literally, there's mental like people's mental health is no longer the same because we don't know how to handle the internet. Like it's literally just dopamine rushes to the brain. Every time you get on your phone, we we're ch- everything's changing. And I think the thing about Bitcoin is that it doesn't just change money. It doesn't just change like one thing. It's changing a hell of a lot. I mean, it's literally changing. Like we just talked about at length, it's changing going from, okay, we need to build these big centralized entities to disperse everything to everyone everybody like we need to build something up and we need all this trust put into these few people trust 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 okay guys it's not about trust it's about being trustless and that's to nick's point like you just said you have a job you go provide a service you go uh you know you go out in the world you have a value right and then you get paid there really shouldn't you nobody should even have to trust that it is a trustless endeavor i mean corporations they almost have to operate on a trustless scale where they hire you, right? They put all of this into hiring this person and they're hoping that you're going to fill all of the job requirements for the next, for however long you'll stay at the corporation. But they almost have to not trust, like they have to just throw money at it. And depending on how many times your manager texts you a week, that's kind of how I'd say whether it's trust or trustless, but it's mostly like they just have to throw money and hope. And that's not really how the world should operate. Maybe that's how a corporation should operate, but that's not how our government should be operating. We shouldn't just be throwing all of our money there and just trusting them with everything we have in us via this voting system and going, all right, guys, whatever you got to do, whatever you guys got to do, Google, whatever you guys think is best for humanity, go ahead. We shouldn't have to do that. It's just that money has provided us in honestly, the internet and the networks and a whole lot of things have only provided us solutions to get this far. Nick is exactly right. Bitcoin is changing so many things. It's just going to take a while for people to go from, oh, it's not about, it's not about like school elections and some president and blah, blah, blah. No, it's about a trustless system. It's about literally being able to go into the world and knowing nobody can just fuck you because they want to. It's trustless. It's a world where, oh, you have money, you have Bitcoin. Oh, you're not breaking these basic rules of society. Cool. Everything's cool here. Go ahead. You know, it's about like a trustless environment where you fix the money, you fix the world. Innocent until proven guilty. Yeah. I mean, I think Bitcoin embodies all of those things. I think it changes the world in all of those respects. And I think what everybody needs to understand is it doesn't change it um, involuntarily like that. Bitcoin is what it is and it's never going to change. You cannot stop it. And like that's kind of where me and Nick was why we're buying so many Satoshis because we we have accepted that it's coming. So if you're not going to be, you know, an accountable human being, if you're not going to be able to be honest with yourself, if you can't, you know, budget at the end of the month and actually track every expense, not just the ones that look good, you know, like track every little expense, how dumb were you that month and be super honest with yourself, you'll struggle in a Bitcoin standard because you have to be extremely honest. You have to be very forthcoming because you can't just like can't lie. 
can't just go buy a credit card and get free money from somewhere. No, you have to be very accountable. I mean, I think that's what Bitcoin's changing. And I think that's what ultimately is going to hurt a lot of these centralized organizations. Because I think if you ask every corporation in America right now to be extremely honest with how they are with money and be extremely honest about every little thing, well, we'd be living in a whole different world. And that's kind of the whole problem. We have all this trust in, in quite a few people, quite honestly. And it's just too much trust. But we've had no other option, like Nick said, until now. And we do. And Google, put, put a percent into it. What do you mean? Like, why wouldn't you want to get out ahead? The best, the best case scenario for these big corporations is they figure out Bitcoin earlier than everybody else. And, you know, they, they just have a huge stash of it to go into this next world. But even then, in the next world, eventually the stash will get smaller. It'll be very hard to maintain a bigger stash in a sound money with no inflation standard. It'll, they'll just have to accept that the world's changing. And that's what Bitcoin is. The world is changing into a trustless, decentralized environment. Whether anybody would like it or not, the world always runs towards freedom, always runs towards more freedom, always runs towards the, fr- the freest market always wins. And I think that's Bitcoin. I think the freest market, as far as I'm concerned, is Bitcoin. I think the most trustless version, I think the most sovereign version is Bitcoin. And so, like, if you believe in those kinds of things, I think naturally Bitcoin will take over. Will it be in Nick and I's lifetime that it's fully taking over to the extent that I just said? Who knows? But, you know, the, the, what, the cathedral was built for like 200 years. I'm cool with being on year 10, man. I mean, it's fine. I'll hold my Satoshis. I'm obviously going to do some things with a higher time preference if I feel like it really is going to take 100 years. But I'm still going to stack to a coin. I might stack to two. Might stack to three. Might just keep on stacking until I feel like there's something else to save for or something else to invest in that will actually help me in the next 50 years as opposed to Bitcoin. But I'm telling you guys, there's people that are stacking out there because they believe in a new world. I don't know. Nick hit, Nick hit the you hit the nail on the head. But well, cool guys, that was a fun little episode. Come check us out on Twitter if you're watching. It's right down there. But if you're listening, it's at Nick and Griff Show on Twitter at Nick and Griff Show. If you're watching, you may be watching on YouTube. If you're not watching on YouTube, go check us out there. We've got all of our clips up on YouTube going up every single week as well. Uh, we've also posted our clips on Twitter for several months now, I think. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Shout out to the Argentinians and the Mexicans because we've got it's it's uh, I think it's like 80, 86 percent is in is in the United States. I think it's like three percent or four percent is in um, is in Argentina. And then there's like less than one percent for all these other different countries. But it's definitely the United States and Argentina are the top are the top markets. So shout out to those people. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you guys are living good in your world. Um, and we are going to see you guys next time. Peace.